Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And it's the Christmas season. <laughs> it is. I got the bell, the hat, yep. the bell. Yep. <laughs> I'm ready we to go. The hot festive. chocolate. I got the hot chocolate. <laughs> you are decked out. And it is snowing here in Utah where Landon and I are. And we have a wonderful repeat guest here with us that I'm sure most of you will recognize. We have the amazing Professor Spencer Anderson. How are you today, Spencer? I'm doing really well. How are you, Rebecca? How are you, Landon? We are great. And we understand from talking pre-show that it's not snowing where you are. It is raining and sucks to be you guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm happy it's raining cocoa. and not snowing. <laughs> it feels yeah, like Christmas, though. So we we yeah. have that. Uh, it does feel like Christmas. Exactly. No. And, and by the time we air this, we'll be, you know, well into the season, hence all of our decorations and everything. So, and speaking of the season, uh, this is why we have accounting professor Spencer Anderson on. You may remember him from on Mormon Stories, the SEC reports that we did together with RFM and John, and also an appearance on Mormonism Live, where he talked about some things uh, with the widow's might. So today we are talking about a topic that has a huge financial component. Um, we are going to look into LDS giving machines. So is there anything else you would like to say in way of introduction about yourself, Spencer? And then we'll just dive right in. No, nothing much. Uh, this is a fun topic. I think that there are a lot of like, there's a little bit of mistrust about mm -hmm. the giving machines, I think, from one side. And then on the other side, it just seems like the church is just doing so much good. And as usual, the truth is sort of right in the middle of that so i think i think you have some people who look at them as the giving machines and others that look at it as the taking machines so yes. uh, we want to try to dispel some of the myths and rumors and and see what these machines are all about yeah that's right so we're really happy you're here spencer because you can certainly get into the nuts and bolts that the rest of us are just like i wonder i wish i had an accountant i could call so <laughs> we've done that for you everybody Okay, so um, we knew the giving machines were coming. There have been articles um, coming out about them. And of course, they've been going since 2017. So I think at this point, people kind of expect them. But just uh, last week, or maybe even just a few days ago, there was a huge Times Square kickoff. What did you read about that, Landon? This is kind of a picture from that. Well, it, it was mainly I saw the videos that were going mm -hmm. out on it and, you know, really well done videos uh, to music and uh, you, the entire uh, they lit up all of Times Square, basically. Uh, uh, so at first you're going, oh, my gosh, how much did that cost to run so, to, to take every billboard uh, at Times Square over? Uh, is that worth it? Uh, uh, but, you know, it was well done video uh, just uh, but the first thing was kind of uh, that seems a little excessive or very commercialized for for giving from a church. So that was that was my initial thought. That was your thought. I know. Did you have you ever looked into how much Spencer it would cost to do a Times Square billboard? I tried to Google a little bit and there were a lot of different random answers from $5,000 to $50,000. I mean, I don't know what it would cost to light every single one up like they've done. It's uh, surprisingly cheap if you want to just do like one billboard. Mm -hmm. um, so recently, you know, like the going rate has been around like $40 oh. for 15 seconds of time. And so obviously that you extrapolate that. I think that they had this thing going for like an hour or something. Yeah. So um, if you, you know, very, very conservatively, if you had like, let's say 20 billboards going for an hour, it would cost something like $200,000. But I think that the fact that they had to get all of the billboards in one spot, they probably had to, a lot of these billboards are auctioned. 
So you have to outbid other players um, in order to kind of capture all of them all at once, get the coordination going, because a lot of the billboards, they were like, you could see that they were coordinated as mm -hmm. if it was one billboard. Doing all of that, I would assume that it's much, much more than the $200,000 price tag. But surprisingly, like just for the audience, if you ever want to like um, put yourself on the billboard, like literally just like a just like a selfie, you can get yourself on Times Square for like $40 for 15 seconds. And then you can take a picture of it or some people like social media um, organizers from like China have done this where they um, post their face as an influencer or they're selling their product and then they'll have like a little, uh, what do you call them? The QR codes on there. And it's a pretty cheap relative to, you know, impact uh, the number of people that are going to see your, your uh, picture. So it's cheaper than you would think. I think um, some people were saying like, this probably costs $30 million. Right. But I don't think it's like that, but it still is quite costly. Yeah. Huh. That is really interesting. It makes me think, Landon, that we should, I don't know, put a Mormonish picture up on Times Square yeah, for 15 yeah. seconds, right? And people will go, what the hell is a Mormonish? Yeah, what is <laughs> that? <laughs> but I can see it like if you wanted to get engaged or something. Wouldn't that be cute to like stand yeah. in Times Square and say, look up? As long as you could time it correctly. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. So we learned something in addition to giving machines, everybody. We learned how to get your photo on Times Square billboards. So now awesome. that, that so this, would probably be the price, do you think, just for the billboards? Or I mean, clearly there's a slick, you know, Fifth Avenue PR firm behind course. this whole yeah. uh, orchestrating all of this. Uh, I, I've got to think. My guess was a million bucks to put something like that together. Yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's no way that the church was like, well, I'll just bid 40 because that's kind <laughs> of the going rate, but I might lose out yeah. on some of them. It's like, no, yeah. they're going to go all in so that they can get all the billboards they can. They probably, like you said, they went through some liaison to capture all of the boards all at once. And, you know, whatever that costs to outbid everybody, um, that would be quite costly. So, yeah, $200,000 would be the bare minimum if you were to somehow strike all of the luck in the world but i think on top of that you have to coordinate you think of like all of the marketing just uh uh just the coordination efforts to get the videos to work geographically yeah. across all the screens like that was something else so it would well and then you've a got a video group there streaming it and putting yeah, it out across the air uh so yeah this is quite a quite an undertaking for sure yeah and i think it had didn't it also have like a nativity kind of component i mean there was christ child and jesus there was some of that and then it exploded into giving machines so it was definitely very yeah, it was together. meant to tug at the heartstrings yeah. and, and get people uh giving that's for sure yep and i think it did it and then there are several machines of course set up there i believe right there in Times square as they are all over the world so that's what we're going to talk about today. All right, let's get some information about how the giving machine has worked in the past. So we have an article um, that came out in the church news after the season last year that gives us some of the stats. Landon, do you want to read that a little bit for our viewers? Yeah. So these are from these are stats are from last year, mm -hmm. um, uh, and they said that they had expanded locations, mobile versions, and generous givers to the light of the world giving machines during the 2022 Christmas season means millions of people worldwide will be blessed in 2023, uh, meaning that the, the money given in 2022 right. has to be spent in 2023. 
The giving machines located in 28 cities and across six countries drew an estimated 425,000 donors from November through the 1st of January, according to a report published March 21st on churchofjesuschrist.org. From those donations, more than 3.2 million healthy meals and 13,000 boxes of fresh produce will feed the hungry. Nearly 32,000 children will receive school supplies and class instruction, including 2,900 scholarships for tuition and housing. More than 516,000 children will be vaccinated against polio and measles. More than 38,000 chickens, 25,000 ducks, and 3,700 beehives will provide families with long-term nutrition and income potential, is what they claim. Yeah, I think the chickens are a real crowd pleaser. I was at a giving machine this week and boy, the kids were all pointing going, chicken, I want to get a chicken, mom. So <laughs> just the idea of being able to order a chicken through a vending machine, I think has quite the appeal. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if the chickens are for the eggs or the chickens for the meat. I don't know. Is it a one-time thing or does it continue to give uh, it's a very dark <laughs> which one comes here. first yeah <laughs> hey that's an accounting question is the chicken the inventory or is the egg the inventory there, there and you the go. chicken is is chicken equipment um yeah there you go that's really funny oh my gosh all right spencer do you want to read that next part yeah it says in for the giving machines 2022 stats when the 2022 giving machine locations were announced last november the church said total contributions since the machine's debut in 2017 had reached over 15 million for the first five years. That total after the 2022 campaign now exceeds 22 million. Wow. So it inferred from that is that in 2022, there was, you know, seven, roughly 7 million in donations, which was almost half of all the pre the previous five years. Right. So it's yeah, ramping it's up. Growing. It's growing yes. exponentially. Yeah. They're, they're definitely in. And this year, I believe they're, they're, they're doing more machines, uh, but you know, that was one of my initial thoughts because I, I thought I'd heard it was about six million. And so to spend a million dollars on the kickoff campaign, it's like uh, that, that seems, you know, a little expensive to, to a sixth of the of what is being given is being spent on on that. But the, the, the church does cover the advertising campaigns. And so we'll mm -hmm. go a little bit into that and, and how that's uh, being covered. So, yeah. Very interesting. So um, more giving machine stats from 2022. Um, more, these are some of the, the groups that benefited from the giving machine. We have the African Girls Hope Foundation, American Red Cross, Church World Services, International Development Enterprises, Lifting Hands International, Mentors International, UNHCR, UNICEF, Water for People World Food Program. And more information about all the donors or all the people that receive the donations can be found on liketheworld.org during the 2022 Christmas season. There was also a link for those who wanted to participate online. So if you didn't live near a, a, a giving machine, you could also opt in via access online. So lots of different organizations benefiting from the giving through the giving machine. All right, Landon, I think it's your turn. Yeah, so this is some of the items in the giving machines in 2023. There's more than 1,200 different items that will be featured inside the giving machines, including basic items such as meals, grocery, shelter, clothing, health care, education, bedding, hygiene kits, job and career training, crops and livestock such as chickens, goats, pigs, ducks, sheep, and beehives. Uh, so, go. yeah, there's... Uh, a lot of things that are given and uh, we'll actually go into how they find 
these uh, and decide on what goes in the machines. Uh, we'll, we'll go over that a little bit uh, here in, in a minute. Yeah. All right. Why don't you read this, Spencer? Sure. It says since 2017, participants have purchased 250,000 chickens, 500,000 articles of clothing, 10 million meals, 2,600 goats, and 500,000 diapers. The diapers so, are key. It's a lot of items. <laughs> yeah, that'll cover, that'll cover three toddlers. <laughs> For yep. only a three-month period. Yes, we know That's how that right. goes. <laughs> Jeez. I'm glad I'm, I'm past that stage. I That's never want right. to go back. That's right. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so 100%. How does the giving machine work in 2023? The giving machine is a way to give something tangible back this holiday season. All purchased items are donated to those in need across the world. The Church of Jesus Christ covers all operational costs. So 100% of each donation goes directly to the charitable organization. Because that's always a question you hear about charities. You know, do your homework on the charity. If you give a dollar, only five cents of that will find its way, you know, to the actual person in need. So that is something we're all trying to be more cautious of when we donate. But here we're assured that 100% of each donation um, through the giving machine is going to go directly to the organization that it's intended for. But yeah. not 100% is going to the eventual person in need necessarily, right? That's so it's right. a little bit misleading. Yes, that. you're right. Charitable organization. So what do you think that means then, Spencer? Maybe explain that to our viewers a little bit. I mean, you're right. Like on Charity Navigator, a lot of like the ratings that are emphasized are things like your impact ratio or your program ratio. And what that means is like out of the total expenses, of how much of it goes towards the mission of the, the eventual mission of the organization. And so when they say that they're covering 100% of their operational costs, it's their operational costs on their end, the church's end. After that, that 100% of that donation goes to, let's say, the World Food Program, which is a great charity, but its program ratio is something like 90%. So 10 cents is going to go to the administrative costs of the World Food Program, and 90 cents would go to the eventual um you know, end goal. Not to say, I mean, I looked through the charities, some of the charities that were listed, and they all seem to be have really high program ratios. And so I'm not saying that they were chosen poorly, but it's just misleading advertising, in my opinion, to say that it's 100% because it's going to make people think that all of my uh, donation goes towards um, this person. And instead, it's there, there are going to be administrative costs eating up that. We we had uh, we had a discussion with someone on this, and they they brought up a good point. They said even those ratios can be misleading. Uh, this was someone who ran run a ran a charity because they said some of it depends on what type of charity you are. For instance, mm -hmm. if you're providing uh, social services counseling, almost a hundred percent of your cost is going to be overhead costs. Uh, you know, because you're not providing a product, you're providing a service. Whereas when you're providing a, a product. Uh, you know, then it's easier to say, oh, 90% of this is is the cost for that product and 10% is the cost to, to buy it and get it there and and get it to the people who need it. So um, they, they caution us be a little, you know, be a little careful as you look at those numbers because they can be misleading. There could be someone who's doing great work, uh, but has a high ratio, but you've got to look at the type. So you can compare it to others of that type and, and kind of get a feel for how much of theirs goes to, to the charity. And one thing we, we learned is that a lot of these are local, um, 
charities. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're more frontline charities, which tend to have a lot lower overhead costs. So what happens is uh, about a, a half of them are international charities and half of them are local charities. Um, the international charities will probably obviously have higher administrative costs because they're bigger, they operate over a wider area than the smaller local charities. So um, they've kind of balanced it out in, in that in that sense. Yeah, I, I want to push back too a little bit with what kind of piggybacking on what you're saying, Landon, it's that sometimes overhead costs are actually good things too. So take, for example, um, governance costs. So having like an internal audit function to make sure that fraud doesn't happen within the nonprofit organization. That's an extra cost that would bring down your ratio, but it it helps to ensure that the 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 money that you give actually ends up in its final destination because there's going to be less likelihood of fraud. Well, a lot of times with charities, if they just hyper focus, if the donors are hyper focused or the mission or the organization is hyper focused on getting it as close to 100% as possible, then they might end up, you know, like skimping on some of these more important expenses that they should have. So yeah, like we're we're a hundred percent, and we decided to not have audits in our organization. It's like that's actually a bad thing, right? That could be a very bad thing, and sometimes that can happen in nonprofits where the expectation is that the first of all the CEO has to live a life of poverty, and uh, secondly that uh, they have to basically have bare bones cost as as far as the eye can see, and every single aspect that doesn't have to do with the the mission. And I think that that's a mistake to you, think about. You might about that not way. do background checks on volunteers or something like that that might be appropriate. <laughs> oh, Landon. <laughs> Where did you come up with that example? I don't know. <laughs> what a strange example to pull out of the air, Landon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's I mean, a very that's good what, point. There's yeah. a balance. Yeah, no, I appreciate that perspective because a lot of us who don't know, we're like, oh my goodness, you know, the money isn't getting to the people, but there's a lot more to it than that. So we really appreciate that perspective. That's great. All right, let's see. Okay, where are we? I think we're on land and reading, aren't we? Okay, the Light of the World Giving Machine have now raised $22 million from 1.5 million donors in six years, said Carl Cheney, the initiative manager in the missionary department of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That that caught me What's when missionary? I read that. It's the missionary department, not the humanitarian or the charitable side. It's the missionary department that's reporting how many... Uh, people have been giving to this machine. So yeah, I, well, I'm not surprised because having visited a giving machine, it was definitely staffed by some wonderful young elders and also looked like a senior couple who were there to help everybody. They had their name tags on. They were dressed very festively and they were holding people's purses so that they could take pictures or do Facebook live, you know, get, get the media, get it out on social media that you're here at the giving machine. So definitely there is, I think maybe a bigger missionary component than, than we are aware of. Yeah, I, I think that's a big reason the church is involved in this is, uh, as always, we know the church is a huge PR machine. They promote their brand more than more than most companies, I think they promote their brand. Uh, and this is a way for them to promote their brand. Uh, there, there's no doubt about that. It's definitely part of the giving machine uh, uh, experience. It feels a little grating when you think about just the typical way that nonprofits are run. We talked a little bit about how like expenses should be really low and sometimes it's glorified. Um, so it's just a little bit 
to contrast that with any other charitable organization is just a little odd to see the the pomp and circumstance, the yeah. the huge expense into the marketing PR of of this giving uh, portion. Um, imagine, you know, like the the Red Cross paying like you know, a hundred million dollars for a Super Bowl commercial or something like that. Everybody would question. They'd say, well, why don't you just use that hundred million dollars for the good? Right. Why would you, why would you run a PR campaign instead? Like that's a lot of money to have to do that. So instead imagine, you know, like a, a nonprofit organization having like its headquarters in a high rise penthouse in New York city, overlooking central park. It, the optics of that are just really, really poor. And the church kind of just takes the complete opposite approach, right? They're like, oh, well, we're going to take the for-profit corporate vanity spending kind of approach to um, advertise a, a giving um, humanitarian effort. And so it's a little odd. It's a little odd. I just wonder how like donors feel when they go into these places and they see that it's, wow, you rented place on Times Square. You've got like all of this like extra color, these really fancy machines. It's like... Why didn't you just use all that money to just go to the cause instead? I think yeah, that, that's what I would wonder. Yeah, that, that's the big question. Yeah, that's one of the big problems I have with this, because if, if this was a corporation doing this, you know, a, a for-profit corporation, I'd be going, this is absolutely a wonderful program. You know, they're putting this all together, giving the money to the charities. But in this case, you're a charitable organization who has been given donations so that you could go out and make this big PR advertisement and, and hire this Fifth Avenue uh, PR firm to now go to your people and say, now we want you to give to these machines. Well, these the are the same people, people. Who, the yeah. same people who just gave to you. You're now asking them to come give to the machine and you just advertise to get them to do it. It, it just it doesn't make sense. Now, obviously, they're going to get a return on this. Um, uh, more people are going to donate than than donated into to make the one million dollars. But uh, you know, in the end, you're you're kind of double tapping the same people. They'd already given the money for charity. Uh, why isn't it going for a charitable purpose directly from them? Not going to an advertising firm and then getting turned into a, a donation. I think that's where a lot of people are kind of saying this doesn't. This doesn't make sense that a charitable organization is is doing all of this and putting this money out. And it does make sense if you're a, a, a post-Mormon or, or been involved with the Mormon church because you know that they get a huge advertisement out of it and they're trying to build their image. And that's what the money's being spent for. It's, you know, to the church, it's an investment in themselves, uh, not in, in a donation for others. Yeah, it, it, I like to use like an outsider test just to try and imagine like what other charitable organizations, what that would look like if they were to kind of follow the same approach. And it reminds me of it makes me think of like, what if a Salvation Army in front of a grocery store had like a bell tower? And then when you donated into it and it's like 10 feet tall, fireworks came out of it or something like that. You know, that's just what it feels like. It's like there's just a little bit too much uh marketing going into it and then each donation that you give like some of that is going to go uh towards building a better bell tower next year or putting it in the competing walmart the next year just kind of feels a little bit like that Absolutely. yeah i think so it's like designer giving kind of you know yeah. it just has that sense it's very different so all right are we on the second one Landon? Uh, second one yep giving yeah. machines will be placed in 61 cities in seven countries in november and december more than double the 28 machines that raised about $6 million last year, Cheney said. 
Um, so it was six, seven between those two six, numbers. Yeah. It's looking like six to seven million. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. All right. I think we're on to Spencer to read this. Okay. It says the unique machines will offer donors 1,200 different charitable items this year from meals and clothing to livestock, livestock and beehives. The donations will go to a dozen global charities like African Girls Hope Foundation and UNICEF, or to about 240 local nonprofit organizations. Last year, donor funds provided 2.2 million meals and 517,000 vaccinations for children against polio, measles, tetanus, and flu. The money also the the money raised also gave sh safe shelter to three thousand four hundred people, school supplies to twenty eight thousand children, and shoes, socks, warm winter clothes, and other clothing to thirty five thousand children and adults. Yeah. So all of these articles make and the, these are all from I think the Church News and Deseret News. They make sure that everybody understands that this is a great deal of good. These are big numbers for um, people that really need these products and services and help so all right um the giving machines have become well known for offering livestock that charities distribute to families to help them feed themselves or start small businesses last year givers purchased forty-one thousand chickens two twenty-five thousand ducks and again the beehives they're really big on those um 3800 it, <laughs> it is the beehive state we're giving beehives <laughs> uh, chickens goats piglets and beehives provided throughout through the giving machine have benefited 20,000 families in Kenya and Tanzania over three years, said Mary Obiaro, um, director of the Relief and Development Project for the Church World Services Africa. Um, Obiaro said giving the livestock to women has improved gender equity in villages where the CWSA works. And, so that's an know, important point too. Yeah, we know how big uh, gender equality, how important that is to the church, so... <laughs> land <laughs> yep you're right so again just making sure everybody understands um the true good that's being done across the world okay go ahead landon uh for example donors last year provided funding to protect 459 women and children from further domestic violence or child abuse and some 3,000 children and teens receive scholarships in countries where there is no public school Donors can choose from six items to help the foundation through the giving machines, providing money toward tuition, a school uniform, a Chromebook, shoes, activities, and mentoring for girls in Kenya and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So it's interesting why they they seem to only have, you know, two or three of these uh, African countries. I don't know if it goes bigger than that, but they, they seem to keep mentioning Kenya or the Congo or or, or what have you there, so. Right, and I didn't realize it changes every year. That's one thing we learned from an executive director of a charity that we talked to um, who'd been involved in the past, and we'll get into that in a, in a slide in a minute here, but the idea that the charities change every year. There's, there's somebody new, so that's kind of interesting. Okay, so then we kind of went out, and of course, there have been a lot of posts on social media about the giving machine. Um, there have been some very positive posts. And then on some of the more post-Mormon sites, there have been some posts that are more suspicious, questioning. Um, I'm not going to be duped by this. Have you guys noticed yeah, <laughs> that yeah. kind of information out there? Yeah. So I gathered a couple different things. Um, let's see, Spencer, why don't, these are just some comments, random anonymous comments from different, uh, mostly post-Mormon sites to kind of give you a flavor of what people are thinking. Do you want to read that first column there, uh, Spencer? Yeah, I, th I think the church considers this, let me 
first contextualize, I am not saying this. No, no. It's best <laughs> Somebody else say is saying this, this because, yes. I would never not, say this. Yes, this is you would just never very say this. naive. And you can clarify it. That, and that's, again, there is a lot of misinformation out there, especially among the people that are suspicious of this. So this is the point of this podcast, too, is to just lay it all out on the table and say, this is what it does. This is what it is. This is what it isn't. So here's an example of maybe some misinformation that Spencer can help us understand. Yeah. I almost need to do it in a different voice. Yeah. I think the church <laughs> I think the church considers this more of a tax write-off by getting many people introduced to the church. They buy the machines and store them during the year. They get other organizations to do the hard work of delivery and developing the programs. The church gets free labor by using members. They get the spots for the machines either free or at a discount. They get news agencies to do commercials for them for free. I think the church doesn't profit by this at all. This event funds their ability to get awards and gain acceptance by other religions and churches. It is a power move to make up for the decades of being the outcast. It is buying respectability. I think to some extent this might be somewhat true. Let's just get the tax write-off thing out of the way because it's a religion. Everything that they do is written off. It's not like it's not like they have to like spend money to write off the donations that have been received from members. So that's just it just doesn't make sense at all. Um it's the people that are donating to it that are going to get potentially a tax write-off, right? Um, they buy the machines and store them during the year. I would assume that that's true. I don't see what's wrong with that. They get other organizations to do the hard work of delivery and developing the programs. I think that's true. If I don't know if I would say it that way. They're outsourcing the, the um, cause, right? So it, the way that I think of this whole thing is like if the church created a website that hosted a lot of different, you can click on this link and then you can donate to this organization. Or you can click on this link and donate to this organization. Although the church is doing here through its giving machines is essentially creating a physical website, a physical location where you could donate. You could pick which charitable organization you want to donate to. And the church just acts as a pass through. Um, and whether that's a good thing or not, that's fine. I mean, it probably increases the amount of donor donations that these organizations get. And so there's some benefit to that. Um, the church gets free labor true that's always been the case for the church with using members um they get the spots for the machines either free or to discount i have no idea they get news agencies to do commercials for them for free i think that's probably true they had like travis kelsey last year um giving like a blurb about the light the world thing so like they get some really big people um for those of you who don't know travis kelsey Everybody knows who Travis Kelsey is now, right? Taylor Swift's boyfriend, yeah. right? Okay, okay. Football player. Yep. Yeah, that's right. If you now don't know who Travis know. Kelsey we didn't is, know last then you know year. Taylor. That's right. <laughs> uh, they get news agencies to do commercials for them for free. I don't know. I think the church doesn't profit by this at all. I don't think that's true because later on, this person says uh, it gains, it gives them awards and acceptance, and it allows them to buy respectability. I would call that profit. I would call that a, a, a return. So yeah, they, that's, they, those are my they thoughts. may not get a monetary return, but they certainly get a benefit from, yes. uh, from doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what we're trying to say. And then somebody just simply posted a scripture from Matthew. Would you like to read that, Landon? Sure. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, <laughs> 
as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. What do you think about that, Landon? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, it, it certainly is not scriptural to be on, uh, you know, downtown uh, Times Square, lighting up all the billboards. Yeah, uh, that that's not almsgiving, as we've learned in the Bible. Uh, on the other hand, if it's effective and gets more uh, benefits to more people in the world, I would think Jesus would be for that. Uh, so yeah. uh, we I, I guess we'll see. I mean, this is this was one of my main points of uh, this was a my major point of dissonance when I was a member was this scripture contrasted with a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before yeah, men. Yeah. And that's why it's called light the world. Right. So um, this is one of those cases, I think, where Daniel McClellan talks about negotiating with the scripture or cherry picking scriptures to try to fit the narrative that you want to believe in. You can choose either this scripture and follow Jesus, or you can do the exact opposite and choose the light, the world scripture and simultaneously follow Jesus. So there's no losing. I feel like when you, uh, when you have contradictory scriptures that are both presumably offered by the same person, yeah, I don't know what, how to, I don't narrative. know how else to, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to reconcile those two scriptures though. Yeah. No, just open to interpretation and, and however, whatever you need it to mean, you can make it mean that. That's the beauty of the having no true meaning inherent in the text. It's all in the translation. So, but yeah, I thought, I think there's no bigger trumpet than a synchronized Times Square billboard, right? That's pretty much there in front of the entire world. So they did it. Um, somebody else said, I get they think it's great, but to me, the optics of a very wealthy nation Putting out vending machines for the poor of the world that have a goat or a chicken seems classless and arrogant at best. When you couple that with a cult that could solve these problems with a focused effort and a fraction of their annual earnings from investing, this becomes very immoral quickly. And I think that is what most people, that's kind of the heart of it right there, is when you realize that you know, the from what I've read, the interest on the church's holdings is a million dollars an hour. You know, the time that someone stands there deciding which one of those little things to choose, the church itself could have donated, you know, $250,000 just right at the top without even feeling it. So I think people are trying to reconcile that. Does anyone have any other thoughts about that statement? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the crux of the issue, right? Yeah. So it's uh, when you see the Times Square thing. Uh, it's not that hey, it's nice for them to say that they're covering all of the administration costs, the operational costs of the giving machines. But then you have to question, why are the operational costs so high? Why are you going through all of this effort when you could just match everybody's donation? And that would do a, a ton of good. Right. So it's 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 really odd that it seems as though the church is like sort of taking credit for everyone else's generosity. Yeah. Um, and then not being generous itself. So, yeah. And I, uh, uh, Rebecca and I have talked about this and I, I, I kind of said, I would take exception to matching uh, the uh, donations because you're matching it with a donation that was already given for that purpose. Yeah. So now you're saying, <laughs> well, we're only going to give as much of that as you guys. As was already that. given. And then we'll That's put true. the rest into an investment strategy again. 
but but we saw how many vaccines were given. What was it? 530,000 vaccines yeah. or something. But we know the church itself could completely wipe out malaria yeah. with just using a very fractional portion of what they they currently have they could completely wipe it out there'd be no need to even do this so if their intent was to solve the problem they could solve the problem without having to even ask for this at this point uh but they could certainly do it in conjunction with this uh, let's let's wipe this out at, but but they don't so then it makes you go back to are they really trying to wipe out this or are they is there an ulterior motive here and and again, I think that's what why people say that. Um, yeah. So if you ask the church, is your focus in this whole effort is it on fixing the world's problems, or is it on um, is it on generating buzz about the church? Is it about a missionary effort? I think clearly their resources are being spent towards the latter, right? Uh, disproportionately. So it's kind of hard to argue otherwise. I would I would say. Yeah, but the important thing here is is that the people who these um, organizations that are providing these other services, they are focused on solving the world's yes. problems, and that's one thing I yeah. th that I've always questioned with the church is they don't have they seem to be the money men. They never seem to have the boots on the ground solve the problem. They always want to outsource that, uh, and I didn't that doesn't seem to be a Christian ideal to outsource saving people uh, and taking care of people. That seems to be what a church should be doing. I look at Catholic services and I see they run uh, orphanages, they run uh, food banks, they run uh, homeless shelters, food kitchens. The church just donates money to that mm -hmm. <laughs> and says, you take mm -hmm. care of the problem, we'll, we'll keep raising the money. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, but, it's a corporate mindset is how yes. I see it. It's a corporate mindset. And I mean, there's a current example here in Utah where a lot of faiths have decided to open the doors of their facilities as warming centers um, for homeless and people that need shelter in these cold temperatures. And the church is not going to do that, although I would say it probably has more buildings and facilities than any other denomination. However, it is going to pay and supply, as I understand it, beds, cots, you know, sleeping bags, things like that. So like you said, supplies, but not the boots on the ground of having people there opening their own doors. So it's just a corporate hands-off mindset, I think. But it's interesting because all of that money came from donations are that could have just directly been given in yes. Utah County to those yep. organizations. So there's really not a lot of additional good being done. So they can, yeah. uh, the, yeah, I, I guess it's, it's not compounding the good. It's just facilitating the good, I suppose. Yeah, it's no, that's an excellent point. Yeah, because if the church were to disappear out of this equation and I were to give what instead of giving to tithing, if I gave $500 to a homeless shelter, the people at the shelter benefit. If the church disappeared from the equation, nobody would miss them. They're not needed there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing the church does provide is influence. Um, they Because they can tell their members, we yes. want you to contribute to these giving machines and mm -hmm. they'll be all lined up at uh, gateway mall to do it. Uh, whereas if, if they, if it was just an organization that put them up there, if the Salvation Army was out there ringing a bell, these machines would not have the influence that they do with the churches uh, because we, we do what we're told when we're members of the church mm -hmm. and they're doing a promotion, you get behind it and you support it. So. Yeah, that's a good point.
No, that's a really good point, Landon. And it reminds me of our episode we did a couple of weeks ago about Prop 8, you know, a decade or so ago where members didn't want to donate, you know, to a defense of marriage in California, yet they were told to donate, encouraged to donate, and they did it. So you're right. The influence is there and the money flows where it might not. So I'll read this last one because I think I already just kind of talked about it. Last year, the machines made a combined $6 million all season. Meanwhile, the corporation earns $1 million in our interest from its Ensign Peak accounts. So by the time you are reading this, they've already made that much today before breakfast. Also remember when the church <laughs> spent millions on Times Square billboards with their I Am a Mormon ad campaign. Isn't that funny? And that was only about seven years ago, wasn't oh. it? I remember. <laughs> Boy, that victory I, for Satan was just splashed all over Times Square, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it does go to show, though, that like the church, I think the church is being very careful in terms of its messaging, mm -hmm. very deliberate, and it's changed dramatically in very short time. I think even small decisions like the fact that when you go to these giving machines, you actually don't see the church's name on it. Mm -hmm. I think that's completely intentional. I think that that was decided over many meetings, over strategies or surveys or pilot studies. A lot of these messages are trying to gain favor with the, the general public in a, in a way that like wasn't maybe wasn't done very well probably 10 years ago. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's not in your face Mormonism. It's uh come in the back door. Oh, that giving machine was the Mormons after the fact, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. Oh, here we go. Okay. So there were some questions that we get like I said we we perused all these comments, we've been studying the different posts and we had some questions that were on social media. We kind of put them together. Do you want to read the first one, Landon? This was a big one that we yeah, saw. So, that, so we put it first. Does your giving machine money go directly to a designated charity? Um, we we talked to a, a nonprofit executive director who in the past uh, has participated in the giving machine, and he was able to tell us several things. Uh, it was a very uh, productive conversation. Uh, and he wanted to dispel a lot of rumors uh, that uh, you might see or hear uh, about about the giving machines and some of the things that we've talked about here and some of the comments that have been made. So uh, I put together a slide that kind of uh, uh, some summarizes what he said about these machines. Um, first off, um, he walked me through how the process worked. He said, first off, when they decide to put a machine in a city, they pick certain cities that they're going to, to, to put those in. And once they do that, vendors are nominated by local church leaders, and then they must complete an application in order to be one of the vendors that uh, gets the, you know, is, is a someone who gets the money as a result right. of this. And they so, said it was like applying for a grant. grant. You have to yep. go through that entire process to explain your process and will you be able to deliver and what would you like to? So it, it's a, it's a complex process, but these um, charities are used to doing this. And so it's just like applying for a grant is how the executive director described it to us. Yes. And this director was not LDS, although mm -hmm. they said um, that they had uh, LDS members on their board. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they also said that they know that uh, several of the different charities have very influential politicians uh, that are on the boards of these uh, in these different in these different cities. So the church does get some, uh, 
you know, influence from this uh, by working with local political leaders or local influential people who run these charities. Uh, they they get some goodwill. Now that that could be said of any organization mm-hmm. that's going to be doing something like this is going to get that that influence. But the church certainly certainly profits from that. And and uh, they uh, the the uh, d- director said that exact thing. You know, I'm sure they they get some some benefit out of that. Uh, interestingly enough, vendors must provide audited financials. Uh, this was one of the things that we were, as we talked to them, we were going, wow, the church sure requires everything they're unwilling to give uh, of the vendors, uh, because we all know that the church does not allow its financials to be audited in any way. But the church says, in order for you to be a vendor in this, we you must provide audited financials. And just as Spencer, as you said, um, that's a cost. And this director said, I'm, I spend a lot of money on these. I, I want to give them to you. If you want to ask me for one, I want to give it yeah. to you because I spent a lot of money getting it, these audits done to show yeah. that that my uh, I'm giving it where I said that I was giving it at. Yeah. They were proud of the audits. Yes. <laughs> They're yes. like, anybody's more than welcome to look. We, we're and up and above board. And this is pretty common for like uh, federal grants and, and government grants for nonprofits as well, that they have to provide some sort of audit. But why do you think the church requires them to be audited. I mean, I know this is so somewhat rhetorical, but let's, I mean, let's talk about this a little bit. Why? Uh, yeah, I think they want it to look above board so that no, nobody can question the giving of the, you know, so they look clean uh, and they can prove it without getting audited themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think the audit, the function of an audit is to enable trust and reliability in the numbers. And it's almost as if the tr- the church is saying, I'm not, I want to be able to trust your numbers. The way to, for you to tell me is for you to actually transparently provide me with audited financials. Otherwise, I'm not going to work with you. It's just so hypocritical. I'm yeah. sorry. But if members were to, to implement the same very rational reasoning, they wouldn't donate to the church. And, and the church is showing just how it has the same line of thinking. It's, it's just the church is supposed to be the exception to the rule in this case. I don't yeah, like it. But no, it, it bothers point. me. <laughs> no, I know. I can tell. And it makes me think a lot of people that step away from the Mormon church, if they are looking for another faith, one of the number one things on their list are, I want to know what you do with your money. And they'll say, I found a church. You know, they put their financials up every Sunday on the screen. It's very important to people when they step away because they recognize they were flying blind in in where they were giving their money, what was being done with the money, and they feel really duped. So yeah, it is hypocritical. Yeah, it's very yeah. weird. And you want the money to be spent where you want it to be spent as well. It's it's about, you know, just it's about matching. It's a matching process, mm-hmm. right? And so I have a friend who's an accounting professor, and she listens to Mormon stories, even though she's not Mormon. So she's just really finds it fascinating. But she is the treasurer for her local church. And um, being an accountant, she tries to um, to advocate for for a conservative sort of um, application of like how they use their money. You know, let's store some away. Let's make sure that we've got enough for a rainy day kind of thing. And almost everybody is against her saying, we have to go and help feed the homeless. We have to go and spend the money on this, on this. They want to spend every single last dime on good causes. And so for her to hear how the church is just taking the extreme of the business side of things, of sort of like of hoarding all the money, of growing all the money, 
she says it's just so foreign to her. Um, so not only do you expect the financials, but you also expect sort of this mission to like, to do what Christ would want you to do, to just overcome the entire financials of the organization to the point that like you almost are financially in, in a bad, bad, uh, in dire straits, right? That you've almost lost all your money because you're just giving it all away. That's the way she feels about her organization. I'm surprised they let a female uh, be the financial auditor of the church. Oh, right. It's That's not an difference. LDS church, Landon. It's yeah. not. <laughs> Even though she is a, a professor of uh, accounting, yes. That, yeah, uh, I'm sure there are lots of LDS professors of accounting in their wards that are never allowed anywhere near any kind of budget or any kind of decision making. Yeah, so. uh, most of the LDS professors in accounting are also male. So, uh, there but you yes, go. but yeah, there are a few. Uh, I'd imagine right. there's a couple. So uh, vendor, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they also said the vendor, as part of the application, the vendor has to prove that they're able to deliver on what is going to be sold. So they don't want them to promise 25,000 chickens and they can only deliver 12,000 chickens. Um, or they if, give a duck instead. Yeah, give a duck, substitute <laughs> Gotta be a, a duck. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so unlike, unlike religions, the charity has to be able to deliver on what it's selling. Okay. Um, Ooh. So, um, then, uh, he also said vendors must provide what is purchased. So if you purchase a chicken, they must deliver a chicken. They can't deliver a duck. If they, if it's clothes, you have to provide clothes. Now that could be coats, hats, you know, that doesn't have to be a specific item. Uh, but you, you had to provide what it is that the people are purchasing. You have to be able to provide that. The, uh, he also said vendor dictates what they put in the machine. And, and he said, that their organization would not have participated if the church tried to tell them what they'd put in, because they're the ones who know what it costs for them to do certain things. And so they have to be the ones that propose and say, this is what we're going to put in the machine. So they might say, uh, we're going to put clothes in uh, and, and we're going to provide clothes because that's what we do. And we know how much a coat costs. So we can put a price point on that and know that we can deliver this many coats for for this much money. So they said that was important to them. And that is something that the church allows is that, that, that they let them decide what they're going to put in the machine. The yeah, And they also said that, um, that, oh, let me see where am I? Oh yes. They also said that the church kind of, the church kind of, there's a, like a liaison is what they told us, sort of a liaison within the stake or the ward that works with them. And then of course there's, you know, the upper level PR, but they would tell them, you know, a good price range. We see that people will donate 50. They typically won't go as high as 75, but you know, that's a sweet spot. So they let them know. And then the charity was able to sort of gauge what they would donate in that sweet spot that the church had learned from their years of doing this. Yeah. And they might say, we're going to do a $6, a $10, a $50, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they'll put different items in there at different price points that they know are most likely to be purchased uh, from the information that they, that they were given. Uh, so uh, they also have to spend any money they receive. They have to spend it within one year uh, on what it was that was purchased. So they've got one year to deliver on, on what was uh you know, what, what was purchased. And then, as you said, they have a, the, the church provides a local lay church member. They said it was obvious they weren't experts. They said they felt like they were working with a PR firm up above, but mm -hmm. that the lay person was a go between and that the vendors would go to the lay church person. I'm sure it's a pretty prominent person that uh, runs the giving machine in yeah. an area, 
you know, it's probably a mission president's wife or a future mission president uh, or something like that that's going to be called on to to do this because it's a high profile uh, thing. Um, they said they were encouraged to use social media and host events to bring people to the machines. So they told them, we want you out there doing Facebook lives. Yes. We want you to get, uh, they said, they said, you come up with ideas of how you, how you can bring people to the machines. And he said, we came up with all these ideas and they shot them all down. Every, we're gonna, <laughs> well, they said, we're, we already thought of that. We come already thought of that. Else. Yep. Think <laughs> of something else. So yeah, they, uh, but they, they were supposed to come up with ideas of how to get people to the machines, uh, calling upon their, you know, backers to come to the giving machine right. and, and the local the element local, there to come local and support. Backers. Right. And, and that was one thing is that, uh, half of them are local purchases that come from within the county and half are international. Um, so, you know, the intent is to get locals to come to support the local um, giving in, in the area that the community benefits as well as outsiders benefit from it. Um, they said that the church provides a person at the machine during all open hours. Yeah. Whenever it's open, the church will have somebody there and their job is to take pictures help them get them posted, take yep. a FaceTime. Uh, you went to the machine yeah. just this morning. And what did That's you what think? I saw. That's absolutely what I saw. I think I mentioned before that, you know, missionaries were there and a senior missionary, a, man, a gentleman with a name tag, I think it might've been part of a senior couple. And they were helping an older couple with the credit card. The couple said, how do I do this? And they were helping them. And then the missionary said, can I take your picture? You know, do you want me to take your picture with your phone? And so definitely kind of a festive atmosphere where they're helping, but promoting, right? Take pictures, post this, tell your friends you're doing this. So yeah. And, and I, the, uh, the executive director that we talked to didn't say the word missionaries. They just said a person, but Landon and I both went, I bet that's a missionary. So that kind of confirmed that this morning when I went there and saw that. So, yep. but they were very helpful. You know, they were helping everybody. They were helping the kids and pointing to what, and again, I don't know if you can see on our slide very much, but so many different price points. Um, like what I went to buy because I'm former librarian, I bought a book. It was only $7. Give a child a book, you know, and you just select that and could have gone all the way up. I think the highest one I saw was maybe a hundred dollars, but there are products, services, experiences, all kinds of things. I mean, it really is brilliant. And I can see why people are very attracted to walking up to it. You know, it's glowing. It's really and, exciting. So. And we'll put a couple pictures of us, uh, you know, using the machine. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll include that in, here. In the so. show here. So yep. um, the, the other thing, and this, this was, this was the key thing that, that this person came on and, and, and talked to us for this very reason. They said, it is true. 100% of the donation goes to the charity. They say we get that whole donation. And they said, as a charity, that's vital to them because they're in the business of providing services to people who need help. They're not in the business of fundraising, although they have to do it. It's a necessary evil of, of being a, a nonprofit um, is they have to do this. So whenever someone else takes that responsibility, it's, it's helpful to them. And they acknowledge that. And they acknowledge that this is a great program for them because they they get the money without having to do a, a, a lot of effort or spending any of their own money to to to, to raise money. Um, they did say, um, and she, and uh, the the director said 
they thought that this would happen and you confirmed it when you went there to buy the yeah. book. Um, it said that it'll ask you if you want to cover the credit card fee. So let's say it's a $7 purchase uh, up in that right-hand corner. You can see yeah, it's- it, That's it what asks, I got. Do you want to add 21 cents to cover the card? Um, yeah, and then it's covered up. There was a yes and a no. And I went, no. No. And <laughs> and that's something the director told us is they said, um, if, if you want to cover the fee, the credit card fee, then go ahead and say yes. Um, but they said, we don't cover the credit card fee. The church was going to cover all of the administrative costs. So if you say no, the church pays that credit card fee uh, instead. So one way as a post-Mormon, you could get a little bit of your uh, tithing money back is- uh, <laughs> By giving them- I got yeah, today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. They the do say we cover fee. all costs and then they, they put this on here. But I think this is typical of any charity as the executive director described to us. This is- they'll ask you, would you like to help cover the administration costs? Did it say, would you like to leave a tip or it's like that? Yeah. It's already no. included. And then you leave a okay. tip on top of that. How many of us yeah. have fallen for that? Right. Yeah. You didn't oh my know gosh. the tip was included. Oh my gosh. That makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's kind of what this is like the double dip tithing, right? You pay your tithing. Yeah. And then on top of that, you go and you do the, the donation machine. Oh, interesting. The one thing the director did say, and and we need to uh, we need to give credit where credits due. Yep. They said this is the most ethically run program they have seen uh, because they don't have to outlay money of their own to to help get get it to people. And they said uh, so. Th they said this as a vendor, th this really helps us. And and this person, as I said, was not a member of the church. Uh, they said. We know the church has problems. We know what the church is. Um, and we know how much money the church had. But they said this is really a well-run uh, process and that they really benefit as a vendor. And it does maximize the amount of money that's getting to the people. And and in the end, you know, that's really what this is about. So they, yeah. they did say- Who cares that, where it comes from, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And and they said you could check candid.org or guidestar.org. Uh, both of these are places you can go check the local charities or the international charities that are in here. And that'll tell you those numbers that we were talking about. So you can see uh, because 100% of the money goes to the charity. But as we said, not all of that goes to the recipient. You know, it costs the charity right. uh, money to do it. But candid.org and guidestar.org tell you what percentages of those you know, get to the end user and, and you can make a decision from that. And you can do that without using a giving machine. You can go directly to these frontline mm -hmm. people and and, uh, and, and give as well. So you don't have to go through the giving machine to do it, but it's certainly an easy way to give to these organizations uh, if you want to do that during this. Yep. Time and and I did ask them, how do you receive this money? And they said, just a lump sum at the end of the season, lump sum. There it is, transferred into their account. And they also are able to request, and this particular executive director had requested, um, updates. So, and I'm guessing that's so you know what to expect. You know, if the first week your organization is going to get $5 million, you need to know that. So it was sort of like a weekly or periodic update on how much money was going to come in so they could plan. So it is very well organized. I mean, do you get that sense, Spencer? You have a lot more experience with nonprofits than we do. Oh, that's great. I think it's awesome. Uh, I wish, you know, it, it, I just wonder, you know, like the extra cost, like what it's actually offering. There's a lot of opportunity costs there that could be just immediately spent on the, on the cause instead. But other than that, like that's, 
that's the only, and you know, maybe the ROI on this is actually positive. And so maybe more donations are given through this method. So um, kind of hard to say, especially when, you know, you factor in obedience and following the profit and, you know, guilt tripping people to go and donate. So that kind of thing. But um, I also think that like, you know, a lot of former members are, are inherently very skeptical about anything the church does anything. And this is one of those things where I think you think about the, all of the the outside organizations that are dealing with this uh, this endeavor. You think about the, um, the the number of like locations and city governments that are involved with renting spaces. You think about there's just a lot of hands um, in this. It would just be really, really hard for the church to just be pocketing this or something, yeah. you know. So this is something that I feel, despite the fact that the church doesn't really provide uh, a lot of verification over its numbers on this, like when it says 25 million, it, technically, I guess they could lie about it. It would be really, it, it, I just don't see a lot of incentive for them to lie about something. First of all, it's not even that big of an amount. Honestly, it could be a lot more. It's probably going to be a lot more in the future, but it doesn't seem like something that you, that as a former Mormon, you have to immediately throw away and distrust. And there are other things that the church does that I'm extremely skeptical about, but this is one thing that I think that they're doing that's very good. Yeah. And I think as post-Mormons, we have to look at that and say, you know, we criticize the church for a lot of things and we've done it right here because we've, we've seen how they do a lot of things. Uh, but this is one where both Mormons, post-Mormons, non-Mormons can all get on board and say, hey, we're we're helping a charity. We're providing good to the world. Um, that's a good thing, no matter how you look at it. Um, so uh, it's it's definitely got a, a positive there uh, that, that we need to give give credit for. It, it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's see. Are we on our second question or does that kind of answer both yep, of those that, questions? Um, well, the, the second question is, does your giving machine donation go oh. to the church and then to a charity? Yeah. And yes. The answer to that is yes. They, yes. they they handle all the finances and then they give it all out as a lump sum. Uh, the giving machine only runs for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I guess they, you know, pocket, the, you know, they can get some interest on that or whatever, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, it's, it's a very short time period. Um, right. so I don't think we need to be that skeptical of that. Uh, they they do give the money and the the, the charities have verified that they do get uh, get that. Uh, this is a big one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're hoping Spencer can answer that. That's one. right. This Does is a the Professor LDS Spencer question. Church report your giving machine donation as their own charitable contribution. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the answer to this is yes. So I think that in its uh, giving, its charitable giving, um, it's included within the, you know, the this last year in its uh, charitable report, it included fast offerings. And so internal giving and external giving, it would also include this like the world, this, uh, these uh, giving machines, like the world giving machines as well. And so it's a small portion of the total. I don't think that it's that big of a deal in terms of the fact that they count it, but it is interesting that they count it, right? It's it's probably not that different than some uh, company, you know, at their cash register saying, hey, do you want to donate to this organization today? And then they take the money 
And then they say that they donated to yeah. the organization. So there's a lot of like double counting in the nonprofit space that happens. And I think that this is just one example of that. Yeah, unfortunately, you, you've got the numbers here from Widow's Might report, um, you know, that show that that they seem to be counting that um, that's, you know, they said last year they gave a billion dollars in in humanitarian aid. And this is one that they're they're counting that as part of that billion dollars. Then is that correct? Mm hmm. Yeah. OK. Which would represent what? Seven percent or something of the yeah, small. Yeah. yeah. It's a small percent, but it, it, again, it just, it seems a little disingenuous to say we gave that exactly. uh, when people don't even know they're giving to the church when they, when they do that. And they're really not, they're giving to the organization that they purchased <laughs> yeah. it. But since the church is taking the money and then giving it yep. to the organization, they're taking credit for what the organization is doing as the middleman for all the work that, that, that the organization is doing, which seems disingenuous to me, but as the executive director said, that happens all the time in yeah, nonprofit standard. world where everyone counts it two, three times as the right. giving. So, well, it's, yeah, I guess it's hours. 0.7. Also, I want to make sure it's 0.7%. Oh, 0.7%. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not really that Very much. Very yeah. tiny. Yeah. But, and volunteer hours, I'm guessing they count everybody that stands there by the machine and helps everybody put it together. So. Mm -hmm. or no interest that's right. true i guess it, it probably adds up to more than seven million given yeah. that that's that's just the that. contribution portion yeah all right so this was a question um does the lds church match your giving machine donation because that would be like oh wow that that is a no they do not match it and landon even mentioned before that even if they did match it that doesn't seem quite right either because if they matched it with tithing donations that's a donation already given and then re-given and recounted and you know if they were to take it out of i don't know something else maybe but uh, out of their investment fund maybe yeah. uh you know i yeah it I, reminds I, me of it reminds me of iras i see this all the time in my line of work that you know someone will tithe an ira and then someone else will inherit it and they'll tithe it i mean literally the same chunk of money can just be tithed till there's nothing left, depending on how yeah. you look at it, just over or and taxed. over and over yeah. and taxed. Yes. Taxes are the same. Yep. Same kind of thing. Um, can you write off your giving machine donation? Well, Professor Spencer, can you write this off? Yeah. But I, I mean, to be honest, I think almost all of us are in the income bracket it, yeah. when they increase the standard deduction with the new, uh, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, they increased the standard deduction to something like 24,500 or something like that. And then they increased the the state and local tax limit to be only 12,000 or something like that. My point being that most of us are taking the standard deduction. So none of this means anything. So you're not actually deducting the seven dollars of whatever it is that you donated. <laughs> That's why I, paid I mean, unless them today. <laughs> it might it might be true, you might, but it, it just very few people itemize nowadays after after that right. change. So, yeah. which actually, it, when that talks the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act occurred, a lot of nonprofits were really worried about that because one of the things that they could sell to people was you can write this off right. on your taxes. And then now that people aren't writing things off and itemizing their deductions, um, maybe the incentive to give the, that that equation is just a little bit different for them. So people were really worried that the donations were gonna go down worldwide or, or nationwide. And so I don't know what ended up happening. Maybe, maybe that did happen. Well, they, uh, the, the director said it's certainly a hard time right now to be trying to yeah. raise money uh, as yeah. a nonprofit, um, you know, mm -hmm. 
the economy not being uh, very friendly uh, at this point. Uh, and then I'm imagining some of that has something to do with it as well. So um, it, it's definitely, um, you know, a, an advantage if you're one of those in the tax brackets that you're spending a thousand dollars on a donation at the, at the giving machine, it might be worth it to you, but for the standard one of us, yeah, you're not going to see anything uh, from that. So. Right. Uh, can you follow up to ensure that your giving machine donation went to a charity? I mean, I don't know if there's a mechanism really to do that, but I do know the executive director that we talked to from past seasons said it absolutely 100% does. And we absolutely 100% have to use it for what we said we would use it for. And it does get into the hands of the people that need it. So anecdotally, that was an answer. Yeah. So That's a pretty I, good verification. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was right to the source of someone who's been involved through the whole process, which, which, I mean, we were really excited to to get information from this executive director. We just kind of came across them in social media and reached out and said, Hey, would you like to talk to us? Cause we're doing a podcast. And I don't know that too many people are aware of the other side of it. You know, where, where does it come from? You know, what, who are these charities? And, and now we kind of know. So it was a, it was a real learning experience, I, I think. And it gave us, I don't know, more of a positive look at giving machines wouldn't you say landon a little bit i think oh did. yeah absolutely and in fact we're planning on uh, uh getting a few things out of it yep. uh we're and, gonna go do it uh you know the church will take credit for uh whatever giving we put in there and yeah. i guess they can feel good about that if they want to and we'll feel good about what we gave without having to tell anyone what we gave or or putting numbers out or doing it in any fancy exactly way. and the kids that i saw there today at the machine i mean they were just thrilled they were jumping up and down they were pointing you know you could see that this very personal giving um to them which they might not have experienced before if they're just paying tithing you know to a bishop in a you know with an envelope it it seemed i could tell that they were excited the kids that i saw today yeah you get to actually see the good from the yeah. donation that you're giving whereas a, with a tithing you just pass a slip on and Mm -hmm. You know, we all thought it was going somewhere good and yeah. realize years later it's going into a fund, but uh, yeah. you you actually get to see the good that the donation's doing uh, right there. And I think that's what excites people. Are you, is Mormonish a nonprofit? Maybe you should apply for next year's giving machine for a local. Well, yeah, we, we need to talk to you about this, uh, <laughs> Professor Spencer. And we're not quite yet. We're ready to get there. We don't exactly know what to do, but yeah, it's, it's on our Christmas list. Apply for nonprofit status, right? We do have people that donate to Mormonish. They're just so wonderful, you know, and they, of course, can't take a write-off because we're not a nonprofit, but as you say, standard deduction. But no, we'd, we'd actually love to become a nonprofit or a, a 5013C is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I, I doubt they'd let us in as part no. of the application process yeah uh, probably not so we decided we might give our own machine or create that's our right. own machine uh for that's right we <laughs> call it the donate to it's a fun. new exmo machine people that you know have stepped away from the church they might need some support so instead of the giving machine we created the start living machine and we this is what we're ending on just this this is a thing. joke we should so, you should donate yes, to charity this is completely a joke that's right this is just us being silly for the holidays but we thought what would what would somebody who is newly stepped away from the mormon church what might they need and if there was a machine that others could you know who've been there before walk that road could help pay for so let's just go through we'll take turns i'll read then spencer then landon so uh one of the things you could choose would be a starbucks gift card of course a newly stepped away from the church person would need that <laughs> yeah discount coupons to the state liquor store <laughs> oh okay there you go <laughs> 
about 10 free therapy sessions with a non LDS therapist. That's actually, Ooh. that's quite good. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. That'll be, we could all use that. Ticket <laughs> that's true. Um, a three month subscription to HBO Showtime and Cinemax. Got to catch it. up on all that stuff you've been missing. Right? That's right. <laughs> Definitely need an emotional support animal after oh. you're kicked out from everyone you know. That, uh, you it can, might be an emotional support chicken. I would go for that. There you that'd go. Be, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Podcasting starter kit includes mic, camera, and a box of Kleenex. Yeah, that's, that's it. Everybody starts their own podcast. Everybody works through their trauma. That got to have that. How come I don't have a box of Kleenex on my set? Do you have one, Landon? I don't. Uh, I, I so, don't. So. Uh, we need to get I one. I just use my sleeve. Oh, guys, there you go. All right. Um, a free complimentary visit with a divorce attorney. Okay. Yeah. That, you know, unfortunately. And they're done that. Uh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> 25, 25% off a second piercing anywhere. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Wow, these are getting personal. I don't know. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Declares, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, year subscription to eHarmony. Oh. Okay. This okay. is probably Use related that. to the divorce. Yeah. Who, yep. who made this list? I feel like I know who made this list. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, how about this? A subscription to the Tattoo of the Month Club. I love that. You got to catch up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's everyone, a good one. Everyone gets a tattoo after. Everyone gets a tattoo. So. Oh, here's one for you, Rebecca. A new sleeveless wardrobe. Uh, so, oh, nice. But it says unisex, guys unisex, and girls, yeah. right? Yeah. Got to get the sleeveless wardrobe. That's it. I'll, I'll have to take this shirt off and keep just my sleeve. Just the best. best. Next yeah. time you podcast, just wear the best. Wow. That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's, Let's see. Where are we? Three night or three yeah, night stay. Three night stay at an Airbnb when family kicks you out. That's well, important. some of these are probably hitting a little too close to home. I I, not me, but I know. <laughs> ouch. I'm sorry. Ouch. I know. Okay. Um, a subscription to the tattoo of the month club. Did we already put that on twice? Uh, I think we did. Yep. Similar, I think we similar, but okay. Uh, yeah. Then I'll just read the next one: a Victoria's Secret gift card, uh, and that would yes. be for the you know husband or the wife, right? Finally, everything finally. on the table. So yeah. finally, I that's walked exciting. past that store for so many years, going, I wish. <laughs> you wish for yourself, Landon, or you yes, wish yes. for your yeah, okay, significant <laughs> My other? My cross-dressing okay. uh, wardrobe has just gone huge since I've left the church. Yes. <laughs> There you go. Okay, when I was a member, I just told myself that I didn't even see it. I just was That's always right. looking. If it was to the right, I was always looking to the left yeah. at yeah, whatever. Yeah, I other store there was you and every other husband yep i think yeah, so. that's right uh, okay landon has the second to the last one and then spencer has the last one well especially if you live here in utah free vpn for pornhub so. Ooh, wow. <laughs> what's yeah. that about i don't understand yeah. it um no longer in utah can anybody just get onto pornhub you have to because they're requesting licenses to show that you're of age and pornhub says nope we don't do that we don't lock you're it down like me. that so in order to get onto pornhub um you have to have a special workaround a vpn network or number or something like, like that you're so, from so your else. geographic location yeah, is exactly oh, exactly yep. wow. so we made all kind of jokes about you know bishop rick's uh tap deacons to come in and help him set up vpn you know the kids <laughs> <laughs> know how to do it we don't yeah this was big in the news last summer everybody was reporting on that you know and everyone was like what's a vp what is it you know if your husband randomly starts saying so what's a vpn you know then you know that they're going why can't i get on so anyway very funny all right last one 
waiting outside the temple starter kit <laughs> includes lawn chair, flask, and no man knows my history. That's great. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry <laughs> and if a anybody was shirt. triggered. And a a non-white right. shirt. And a colored shirt. I'm sorry if anybody was triggered by these. We were just trying to imagine a start living machine and what would be in it. And if we could help support our fellow post-Mormons on their journey. So anyway, I think this is our last slide, isn't it, Landon? So I think we did it. Do you think there's anything else that we need to cover? I don't even know what the bottom line is. I think it might just be, it's a good thing. Obviously, the church is going to get a lot of PR out of it. Obviously, it's very self-congratulatory. But the bottom line is, according to people that we talk to, the people that need this the most do get the goods and services. So yeah. any and if, other final thoughts? Well, if you're, if you just say, you know, I just, uh, I'm morally opposed to giving any more money through a church or to sponsor mm -hmm. a church sponsorship. You can give direct to yep. any of these organizations, look yep. for these, uh, look for other organizations. Uh, right now, a lot of the post-Mormon podcasts are looking for donations. Mm -hmm. You've got Heber Valley Cody temples that are in yep. their lawsuits right now that are looking for donations. There's plenty of places to make donations. So if you're opposed to the giving machine, look for other places to go to. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to give to the giving machine because mm -hmm. it is going to uh, vendors that, that uh, are doing the work and and we'll make sure it gets to a good cause. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the interesting takeaway for me is that the truth is always somewhat gray. It's not like the church is all bad. It's not that they're all good. Um, I thought about so on the way to home today, um, I picked up Wendy's for lunch and they asked if I wanted to buy a uh, frosty key, uh, what's it called? A key keychain key tag. And I was like, oh, what is that? And they said, oh, well, if you pay $3, you get a free frosty in 2024 for every purchase that you make if you just show the key tag. So I was like, wow. And why is it only $3? Well, your $3 is a donation to the uh, Dave Thomas Foundation for adoption. And so they've got their own kind of thing going on. And it, here's the tag. So I bought it. And from my perspective, I was just buying free Frosties for an entire year, right? So, like, I mean, it, it, I wasn't even thinking of like the benefit to foster kids when I was making this purchase. But you think about like, if you were to evaluate this, there's a lot of marketing going on. They're hoping that somebody has like a Wendy's Frosty on their key tag, keychain every day. It's going to lead to more purchases. You can think in nefarious ways how this is benefiting the Wendy's corporation and that it's not about really helping kids or anything like that. But, you know, what's going to happen is uh, all of this donation ends up going, well, 90% of my $3 ends up going to this foundation, which is going to help foster kids. How do they make that work? Well, if I end up getting 15 Frosties, Wendy's is going to eat the cost of that. And so they're giving, some of the, the organization is giving, there's some good being done. Yes, there's some marketing behind it. Um, there's good and bad to everything. Like it, it, it just reminded me that even with like any charitable organization, they have to kind of do this like little slick stuff to try and appeal to get donations. Maybe the church takes a little overboard in my opinion, but, um, but at the very least, you know, there's some good that's coming out of it. So. Yeah, I think Sorry for the true. tangent. No, I it's not a tangent. I, I'm not because... getting paid by Wendy's or anything to say. Well, any actually, you now one. have made me really want a Frosty. Like I literally want to get up from my podcasting couch and go get a Frosty right now. But I think it's interesting that we keep comparing the church to a corporation in all of our examples. We rarely compare it to another church who is giving at this time because I don't think there are any other churches like this that do this. It really 
is comparable to a corporation and well we know it. the church is a corporation so exactly. it's uh, <laughs> it goes to figure that they act like a corporation so. yep it's a corporation yeah. with Spencer, a religious uh, skinny guy like you i just want to warn you it it starts with a year worth of frosties <laughs> and uh, it adds up <laughs> but not for decades you'll be fine yeah, that's Spencer. right you'll, you'll be, be good for another 20 and you know listening to spencer say that reminds me of another wonderful episode that we did with professor spencer all about ethics and morality which was you know the same kind hmm. of thing you know these the, the, all these things um apply so we're going to link that in the show notes of this and if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode it was excellent excellent and you get to hear more of professor spencer and oh, that was a lot of fun delving. i liked talking about that yeah. yeah it was really fun yeah we we used the book how to be perfect and we talked about ethics and morality and and the ethics of giving there was i think even a, a section where we talked about you know donating and, and all of that so yep it's it's a bigger question but here in the holidays i would say if you walk by and you see a giving machine and you get triggered then just go home and jump online, like Landon said, and and donate to something that does make you happy and makes you feel good. But certainly don't close off that donation because everybody needs help at this time of year. So, all right. Well, I think we accomplished it. This has been amazing. Thank you so much, Spencer and Landon. And to our viewers and listeners, please comment. Tell us, is there a giving machine in your town? Have you given to it? Are your kids bugging you to go there? <laughs> That's what I feel would happen if I had littler kids. They'd be, this is so cool. I want to go. So let us know what you think. And, and if you learned something new from the podcast that you didn't know before, if you were thinking about giving machines in a new, a different way. So, and again, if uh, please like, and subscribe to Mormonish. And if you'd like to be made aware of new episodes that are coming out, you can hit that notification bell. And we are talking about donations. If you'd like to donation to donate to Mormonish and help us with our um, costs that we have to put out this content, we have links to PayPal and to Venmo in our show notes. And we surely do appreciate everybody that does donate to us. We just appreciate all of our viewers and listeners so much. And so we'll say happy holidays and keep on giving. Thanks everybody from Mormonish. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.